Welcome to the Money and Meaning Podcast. It's the podcast for CEOs who want a life full of money and meaning. I'm your host, Kenna Corder, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one clinical hypnotherapist specializing in turning stress and anger into a life of meaning. I created a virtual experience that allows me to have private conversations with CEOs that are stressed because they're singularly focused on money. And what I've found in my clinical practice is that if the CEO is stressed, the whole company is stressed. Am I right? But it doesn't have to be that way. And the CEO is stressed because society makes us believe the American dream is one thing. When it's just not true, it means different things to different people. And the truth is, the American dream is dead now anyway. Because all it ever did was force us to chase money and compete with others, which left us stressed and unhappy. Nobody dreams of being stressed and unhappy. That's why I set out on a mission to guide my tribe on a transformational journey to make America meaningful again. So if finding meaning in life is a high priority for you right now, let's get into today's show. I'm your host, Kenei Quarter, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one clinical hypnotherapist specializing in financial therapy and stress management. As we continue our conversation about the search for meaning over money, today we're going to discuss how to determine what to give up, say no to, or sacrifice when growing your business. I call it your you formula. It's the formula that makes up you. This episode will be impactful because our guest today is Noah Rosenfarb, and he has sacrificed growing his business faster because his marriage and his family were more important to him. Noah is in touch with his U formula because he's worked to practice what he preaches. He counsels entrepreneurs that are looking for ways to enhance their wealth while working less, living more, and enjoying financial abundance. Noah seems to have it all figured out, and he is going to share it with us today. Together, Noah and I will learn from each other as we guide you on the search for meaning over money. So please join me in welcoming our guest today, Noah Rosenfarb. Hey, Noah. Hey there. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me. I'm really excited about today. So if I sound like I'm on 10, just know that it's you. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it as well. <laughs> so we start every episode with one question, and that is, what is your idea of prosperity? So I have a formula that I've ascribed to and has been kind of a motto in my life called prosperity equals wealth times happiness. And mm-hmm. what I've found is that prosperity without happiness is really nothing, right? You can't have all the money in the world if you're not happy. And happiness is often tied to our health, our relationships, all of the qualitative aspects of our life. And then on the quantitative side, yeah, there's certainly plenty of people in the world that are happy and they don't have any money, but I wouldn't refer to them as prosperous. So to me, it's Mm -hmm. the combination of the two. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. At Presidential Lifestyle, we say a very similar thing. It's wealth, well-being and what we call wow and that's like the love and the adventure in your life yeah so, so we're aligned like mm-hmm. yeah we are aligned there so i'm going to go 
personal before I go professional, because I want to know this, but I think our listeners will want to know this too. Tell me about you are married to your high school sweetheart, right? College sweetheart, but close enough. We were teenagers. College. Okay. Yes. College sweetheart. Tell me about that because that's rare these days. I was not expecting to meet my future spouse in college the beginning of my sophomore year. And my wife and I met through a mutual friend and went out on a date. And once I went out on a first date with her, I thought that was it. I'm not going on any more dates. And it was really strange for me to feel like I found someone I wanted to spend the rest of my life with at a young age and not with a ton of investment of time before I came to that conclusion. But she and I have built a really wonderful life together. And we feel very fortunate that we got a chance to meet and grow through college together and grow through all the businesses we've started and the kids we've had and the travel we've done. And we've just been able to build a really great life. Mm. And it sounds the way you describe it and just the energy you talk about it with that. Is there a friendship there? Is that what I hear? Of course. I mean, she's certainly my best friend in a lot of ways. She's also my biggest fan and cheerleader. And she's also the person that I enjoy spending time with the most. So it's been an ideal match for us. Our values are aligned. Our goals are aligned. And I don't know that I would have ever gone looking for that, but it Mm. it fell in my lap. Wow. How lucky. And you say, of course, she's your best friend, but These days, as a counselor, I've counseled many couples, and that is not always the foundation of the relationship. However, it proves so many times that when it is the foundation of the relationship, so much stronger. We've decided and we found long ago that our relationship was somewhat unique, and in part because we devote a lot of time and attention to each other. But My father and stepmother have been role models in that for us. They're married coming up on uh, 40 years this year, and they still hold hands and they still give each other kisses. And so I think I saw from them that there was an opportunity to be best friends and enjoy your time together and be romantic partners with each other and build a life together. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a high school or college sweetheart. But one of my best friends was my high school sweetheart, and he's still one of my best friends. And his parents have been married 60 years. His mom just passed away a couple of months ago, but they have been married 60 years. And they were like that, still really in love. My parents have been married. I have a mother and a stepfather, and they have been married many years too, um, almost 30. And they are the same way, best friends still in love, although they're very different. My mom is a total introvert. My dad is a total extrovert. He's a frat boy. My mom's a nerd. They're totally different, but they're best friends and they do business together. They started a business together and then they also have separate businesses. So Tell me more about business. You talked about you and your wife doing business together or starting businesses together. That that still happens. Or how did you guys work through that when it comes to marriage? So my wife is a primary caregiver to our children. We've got a teenager and a third grader. And that's been her focus essentially since our son was born 13 years ago. She was a school teacher prior to that. 
but I've always been the one to create the entrepreneurial concepts and implementation on our financial planning side. But I always say we, because at the end of the day, when I'm done with my work and I come down and we talk about the day, she's always providing her input and insight and guidance. And I don't know that I would have made the decisions I've made without all of the feedback that she's given me over the years. And so I believe it's been a team sport. I may be the guy on the court, but she's always the coach on the sidelines. Nice. I love that analogy. (laughs) Good one. As I listen to you, I just recently watched a documentary about feminism and it almost made this story of yours bad. And I don't know any other way to describe it. It's almost like, don't do this, do this. But the way that you've described this story, you being the one on the court, your wife being at home, being the primary caregiver for the children, met in college, like all of this was the, I think like the fifties or sixties or whatever, whenever that time was, was like, everybody was shifting from, no, don't do that. That's wrong. Don't do that. That's not the life you want to live. But it sounds like you all have found meaning in that lifestyle, even though, like I said earlier, it's not the life you hear about anymore. And I think that was one of the things that we were both aligned on in a sense is that I didn't have a predisposition towards marrying someone that wanted to be an entrepreneur or someone that wanted to hustle or someone that had their own big financial goals or dreams in mind. And she was clear that she wanted to be on a path to be a primary caregiver to the children we'd eventually have. And she wanted to be an educator before that. And I was totally cool. Whatever she wanted, I was going to support. And the vice versa was true for her. She didn't necessarily know that she wanted her spouse to be an entrepreneur or that she wanted her spouse to be dedicated to building businesses and being focused on money, but it worked for her as well. Wow. Yeah. And bravo to her, to knowing her you formula, knowing the formula that made up her, what was going to make her most happy because it's so easy to just follow the pack, follow what everybody else is doing and get influenced by that programming that's running around in society. So bravo to her for doing that. So let's talk a little bit more about business. We said that we're going to talk sort of about those opportunities that come up that we somehow need to say no to. And it seems like you've been able to do that successfully. How were you able to know what to say no to and what to say yes to when it came to, oh no, I got to get home to my wife and eventually my kids. This will have to wait or no, this is not happening because it's not as important as this relationship. How did you know which, what to say no to? I think some of it is choice and some of it is just rule bound. So I have certain rules that I try to follow as best I can and as disciplined as I can, like when I start my day and when I end my day and which days I'm home and present and which days considered work days. Those timeframes and those rules keep evolving and they continue to evolve, not only as the kids get older, but also as our business life is evolving and my roles and responsibilities are changing. So I would say the rules are the most important. And then the second part for me was establishing an opportunity filter so that when something was brought to me and it could be contained within my rule set of these hours and these days that I could work on something, I had to decide 
is it something I should say yes to just because it fits in that box or how would I reject it? And so I established what I refer to as an opportunity filter, which is essentially 20 different sets of criteria that the opportunity has to meet for me to say yes. Wow. (laughs) And what are some of those filters? What are some of those things that it needs to go up against? Yeah. So some of them are qualitative and some of them are quantitative. On the quantitative side, what might be interesting, after I read a book by a friend named Rob Slee called Time Really Is Money, he talked about computing what your hourly rate should be when you're working. And so I've slowly been moving that number up. And basically now I don't want to get involved in a new project unless I think it'll return $5,000 an hour. So I have to look at a project and say, if I'm going to invest 100 hours in this project, am I going to be able to make a half a million dollars during the lifetime of the project? So that sets a pretty high bar to filter a lot of opportunities. On the qualitative side, I don't want to have to be in any particular location during the summer months because we travel as a family for the summer. And if there's like a meeting that takes place in a specific location at a specific time during the summer, then I know that's not an opportunity I'm going to participate in. Another one is I use the phrase, I don't want the keys. So I never want to be the one that has to open the store or close the store or be the person that wakes up at midnight to try and solve the problem that's going on inside the business. So that precludes me from getting engaged in a lot of activities where someone wants me to be the leader. I want to be the coach and the mentor and the advisor, but I don't want to be the leader. Yes, I like that. And the you formula that I talked about in the beginning and what we use is similar in the sense that you need to know those numbers. Like you said, what is that dollar amount, your hourly rate? And also knowing how many hours you want to be available for this thing. So I have a thing that I like to work three days a week. I don't care if I work 10 hours or 12 hours, but as long as I can work three days a week, that is like my idea of prosperity. And so knowing that if there's a project that means that I'm going to have to work five or six days a week or something like that, then it's kind of like, "Mm," or if it's on a Sunday, because I can work five or six days a week if it's a project that needs that amount of time and is a short window, but it can't be on a Sunday because I promise Sunday to myself, like I will sit my butt down on Sunday. I promised it to myself. And so I keep my promise to myself. Mm-hmm. And so those are numbers that you need to know. But on the other side, I like the more meaningful things like, you know, you spend summers doing a certain thing and you don't want something taking away your summers. All of us have those things that deal breakers that are like, no, this is a deal breaker. I've got to have this. And getting really clear on that helps. So it sounds like in order to run these opportunities through these rules, you have to know yourself. So there's some like, know thyself comes first. Is that right? Yeah. And it took a long time for me to decide what the rules were going to be and what the filter was going to look like. It was an evolution. I would say What helped me most was this game that I like to play where my wife and I get a lottery ticket and we sit down and we start brainstorming, what would we do differently if we won? And who are the people we'd spend more time with and who are the people we'd spend less time with? And what are the things that we'd start doing and what are the things that we'd stop doing? And by going through that process on a somewhat regular basis, we start to meter out like, okay, would I do this? podcast if I won the lottery? To me, the answer is yes. This is a topic that I like to talk about. I I believe that 
the world needs to be more thoughtful in its approach to not only making money, but utilizing our time and our wealth and our prosperity. So I try to focus on the things that I would do if I had a hundred million in the bank. Yay. I got so excited when you said yes, you still do this. <laughs> you still do this podcast. I'm like, yes, we made the cut. We 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 did it. Look at us, presidential experiences made the cut. So that's awesome. Thank you for kind of like breaking that down because not only did it bring a smile to my face, but I think it's a great way for people to understand one, it takes time. You said that first. It takes time to get to those rules. It takes time to understand what that is. And as you go through that, having a fun experience like buying a lottery ticket and then breaking it down to as simple as what would you do if you didn't have to do it? Because that's what it sounds like to me is just like, okay, I no longer have to do this. I get to choose whether I want to do it. And I choose yes. Precisely. And I think depending on who's listening, if they're in a position where their bills are paid, they're making a comfortable living, which means that their income exceeds their expenses on a regular basis, the freedom of choice is much more significant than for families that are struggling just to get by. But once we achieve a certain level of economic independence, even if we're not totally financially secure or totally financially independent, we can start to think more thoughtfully on how to approach our decision-making. Yes. And that reminds me that I have a friend and he has a certain amount of passive income that comes in. And so for that reason, he does some hobby stuff on the side that he builds. And I wouldn't call him a carpenter, but he builds things out of wood. And, and he sells those things sometimes. And sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he just gives them away. But if he didn't have that passive income and he wanted to make that hobby a business, it would be a lot more pressure on him to create and sell. But he enjoys it so much and he already has his passive income that he doesn't have to worry about whether he sells a piece of furniture or not. It can stay there for weeks or months and it's like whatever. And when somebody comes to get it, it's the right person because he didn't have to talk anybody into getting it to somebody who fell in love with it paid them is good. But that's what that reminds me of when I hear you talking is you have these things in place that allow you to enjoy life, enjoy the things that you want, but money is a factor. And so if you can put things in place where that is taken care of, then it takes you to a level where meaning becomes accessible because you can't be living check to check. And I say this, you can be a millionaire or a multimillionaire and still live check to check or client to client. Because if you are spending more than you make, then that is going to limit the choices that you have. No doubt. And as we're recording this, we're going through the crisis of this coronavirus. And I was speaking with a friend this morning whose single source of income is his business, which has been affected. And sharing with him how creating an anti-fragile financial plan where you have multiple income streams helps reduce fear and anxiety. And that's been something very powerful in my life that while my income for this year might be down 20 or 30%, it still exceeds my ongoing lifestyle expenses. And so I have really no concerns mm. about that. Yeah. We talked about the U formula, but there's also something that we work on called control the controllable. And 
part of what you're saying you control is how much you spend because you try and control how much you earn. But there's really only so much control you have over that. But what you really do have control over is your spending and really creating a lifestyle that you can maintain even when the chips are down. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also creating those multiple streams of income. And hopefully they're not all coming from the same type of place. So you can have multiple streams of income, but if they're all coming from a certain industry, then if that industry goes down, then you don't have that income. But if you diversify that income, then you can diversify your stress level, I guess you could say. Exactly. Yes. The Beatles said, money can't buy me love. But guess what? We are all using money to get love. It's true. I'll tell you why I know. I've learned in my almost 20 years of working in the financial and mental health industries that money and love go together, whether we want it to or not. All of our actions are based on doing what we think will get us the maximum amount of love. Now, later in life, we begin to use money to get that love. From the time we are children, we set in motion a plan to get our parents' love, then our friends' love, next our partner's love, and so on and so on and so on. So you see, around age 14, we make a final decision on how we will handle money. And it just so happens that at that same time, we are making a decision on how we'll handle love. You might decide to be a saver. You might decide to be a spender. You may even decide to be a hero or an enthusiast. Wondering what those two are? Take the money mentality quiz. It will reveal how you use money to get love. You don't have to believe me. See it for yourself. Take the money mentality quiz. Go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash quiz and see for yourself. It's free and it only takes like two minutes. The great thing is you'll walk away not only knowing your money mentality or money personality, but you'll also know your money strengths and challenges so you can do something about them. So go ahead, take the quiz, but don't stop there. At the end, remember, Give me your email address, your best email address, so I can give you some guidance to get enough love and money in your life to make it full of meaning. Go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash quiz. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get back to today's show. Thinking more about your opportunity rules and how it goes up against what's important to you outside of that. So we talk about in presidential experience, people, interests, activities, and things. It sounds like the people that are most important to you, your wife and your children, what interests would you say can come up against these rules that you say, well, I rather do this rather than be at work 50 hours. What are you most interested in right now? I have a set of principles, goals, I don't know how you might refer to them, but there are things in my life that'll be just important to me in 25 years as they are today. And of course, part of that, or you mentioned it already, which is 
having valuable, productive, great relationships with my wife and my kids. That's something that's as important to me today as it will be in 25 years. But there are other areas of my life where I feel that way. And so I try and balance all of them on some level because I want to make a contribution to my community that makes a meaningful difference. That's one of the things that's as important to me today as I believe it will be in 25 years. And so sometimes I might participate in a philanthropic endeavor on a day that my kids are off of school, which is usually a day that I want to be home with them. I'm always learning and growing. And that's another one of the things that's as important to me today as it will be in 25 years. I love learning. And so sometimes I'll miss dinner at home with the family because I want to attend a learning event. And there's some level of balance in everything. I have the rules. They're not fixed, hard and fast rules, but I try and set them in advance and know when I want to break a rule and be specific and intentional about it. Uh, I like that you said that because sometimes when we do set these rules, we get so sergeant about them. We just get so militant about the rules, but you just said that the rules are there. You can follow them so that they keep you in line, but there are times when you can break the rules. In fact, when they're opposing priorities, like, do I want to be home with my family or go to this learning experience? And the learning experience might be only happening that one. A lot of these conferences, it happens once a year. And so that opportunity is not coming again. You've got to take advantage of that opportunity. So up against the rules, family does come first. But in this particular instance, since this is only happening once, you choose the the learning experience. So talk to me about when to break the rules, because for some people, we got to give them some rules around breaking the rules. So let's talk about that. I try and identify each year how many nights I want to sleep in a bed not next to my wife and figuring out, well, what's that number supposed to be? And in some years, like this year for 2020, that number is 10 nights. I try and think through how many nights would I not want to be home for dinner? And this year, that's 40 nights. So I try and come up with in advance, what's my budget? And then I could be judicious around, you know, the nights that I want to kind of go out and do something else besides have dinner with my family or sleep in bed next to my wife. And because I have this budget in mind, I know I need to be very thoughtful about how to use it. It depends on each family's circumstances and what becomes more important at different times in their life. Thankfully, I feel like I have a good balance and I'm not facing a tremendous amount of pressure in any particular area. And as a result, I could be independent and not feel like, oh, you know what? I really have to put this work thing ahead of my family because I've got these bills coming up that I need to pay for. Mm. Yeah. And I like that you said your formula can change. It's fixed for a certain amount of time, but I'm sure as your children get older and they're away more, because 13-year-olds don't want to be around mom and dad as much as they did when they were seven. So as that shifts, then you can also shift if you want to do more learning, you can, or if you want to take on speaking engagements, you can. If as that shifts in your life. Is that what I hear you saying? The formula will shift based on how your life shifts? Exactly. And priorities shift and finances shift and the health of each member of the family shifts and business needs shift. Yeah. 
And the yield formula actually is based on the idea that there are 168 hours in a week and you decide how many hours you want to spend during those things and divide it. And of course, you can come up with a percentage of how much time or percent of time you spent on those things. And is that what you really want? And I created this years ago, probably 2013. And one of the first men that I worked with it when he saw it in black and white, he was saying his wife, the love of his life, and he's doing all of the things that he's doing for his wife. But when we did the U formula and how much time he spent outside of the home and not being with his wife, it was like, wow. He was like, wow, I really need to spend more time with my wife, which is good because I didn't have to say that. His wife didn't have to say that. <laughs> He saw it in black and white because the numbers didn't lie. It was like, wow, okay. I said my wife was the most important thing to me. But when I look at the percent of time I actually spend with her, I'm not living my idea of prosperity. I'm not living up to what I said I was supposed to be living up to. And so I like the working with the real numbers, but I also like that when we are looking at ourselves, we can be honest to say Hmm, I'm doing it. It gives us a measurement to say, I am doing what I said I wanted to do to live the life of meaning, or I'm not doing it and not beating ourselves up, not being judgmental, but letting us know what do we need to adjust. So I kind of want to go there. When are there times when you found that you were off of your you formula and maybe you weren't spending enough time with family how did you get back on? How did you call yourself on that? My wife's pretty good at telling me what I need to do. So. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, she's 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 good uh, good at providing direction when needed. Okay. I would say that thankfully I've done a very good job the past few years in most areas. The challenging area for me is always being present when I'm home because my work is done off of my telephone for the most part. And my telephone is usually tethered to me. <laughs> and because I spend so much time with the family, I have to make sure that I'm not missing out on being the bottleneck in my different businesses where somebody's waiting for me for something. And unfortunately, that can get in the way of always being present. So we're trying to develop systems and processes so that I either leave the room or I say, excuse me, I want to check my phone. So it's more of a intentional, I'm telling you, not because I need your permission or your guidance, but because I want you to know I'm doing this thoughtfully and not like as just a reaction of whipping out my phone every two minutes. Yeah, it's a courtesy, it's respectful, and it's helpful. Yeah, and recently, my wife and I implemented a day date once a week. So while the kids are in school, she and I get to spend the day together. And usually I have her hold my phone for those dates so that when I mm -hmm. need to check in, I, I'll ask her for it. Ah, uh, yes. And there's only so much you can do that. You got to be strategic about those asks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I like that. That's a good formula. It holds you accountable and it also just keeps you present in that moment. And, and I think that was the word that you use, being present. Well, I think that's important for our loved ones because people just want to be seen and heard. And when we're not present, 
we're just not allowing them to be seen or heard. Yeah. Well, I have two more questions for you before we wrap up. And I think you were just talking about how your phone is basically tethered to you and it's the way you do business a lot of times. And I think many CEOs, I think many entrepreneurs live that life and the other person, we just assume that the other person just has to accept that. And what would you say, and I think you'll be speaking for your wife, but if you could, what would you say your wife would say about having to accept that part of you knowing that she did marry an entrepreneur? We talk about the advantages of entrepreneurship alongside the disadvantages. And one of the significant disadvantages is I don't turn off. My work is 24 7, 365. And we've tried a couple different times taking a Thanksgiving week or Christmas week and not answering the phone, not answering email. It was more stressful than the alternative. So we've done some testing around that. But I think on average over time, the flexibility and freedom that entrepreneurship's provided to us far outweighs the alternative. And we have to be grateful that back when I got my first Treo 300 uh, mobile technology device back in, I don't know when it was, maybe 2004 or 2003, first telephone that I could do email on, that changed my life forever and much for the better, much, much, much for the better than for the worse. And ever since then, we've been able to enjoy a life where our location was less relevant than it ever was in the past. And we've been able to take advantage of that by traveling significantly. We try and spend 10 weeks outside of our house, going to new places and experiencing new things. And I couldn't do that if I had to show up at a particular place on a specific time and day to make money. Mm-hmm. Yep. So true. So I'd like to recap a lot because I think it's helpful for the listeners. So really, as we've been talking today, and I have two more questions. I know I said I had two more, but another one popped up. So I still have two more questions for you. But as we've been talking today, it it really sounds like your idea of prosperity, this wealth times happiness formula is how you set the rules or how you govern your life and your family is really important to you. And for a lot of people, that is true, where their family, their wife, their husbands, you know, their children, and even their extended family is very important to them. And so really being clear on that priority so that you can have time with them. And it sounds like you have the rules that you've put in place, the opportunity filters that you've put in place that allow you to look at it, the sheer numbers. Is this worth my time? Because time really is money. And then is this some of that esoteric stuff? Like I want to be there for this and I want to be there for that. So I'm part of the pictures and the memories. And I get to spend that summer with my children and the time outside of the house that you talked about. And then as you look at those numbers, those rules, really deciding, hey, so who is it? Whose rule is it? Is it society's rule? Is it my rule? And kind of differentiating that. So getting to know yourself and it takes time to do that. So being patient with yourself as you kind of create that idea, because it doesn't happen overnight. It's some trial and error, I'm sure. And then as you find that consistency and what builds you up, 
then you're looking at the money because the money is still important. And you want to know that you have a clear idea of what spending is for you. Like we say here, know your numbers. So you need to know your numbers and having some multiple streams of income. So we don't end up like the business. You spoke about the example you gave where the sole income was from one place and without having those other incomes, a lot more stress, a lot less confidence in what you can do because now you're forced to do things rather than living a life of meaning. You have to do what you have to do. And I think that is all. Oh, no, there was the disadvantages and the advantages of being married to an entrepreneur because in one hand, you give the respect and the courtesy of saying, hey, I'm going to need to be on my phone. But at the same time, it's like you that eventually plays out. But at the same time, you have all this control or management over your time and you can decide when and where you do things. And so it all balances out and plays out. So that's what I got out of our conversation from today. I do have one more question. And before I ask that, based on that recap, was there anything that I left out that you wanted to make sure that we took away? I think not everyone is built like me and wants to plan everything in their life. And Mm. it's important to find a path that works for each person. I love the planning. I sit down every quarter and I come up with my goals and I come up with our three-year vision and 10-year vision. My wife is not interested in any of that at all. She obliges me by sitting down once a quarter to review it, and maybe she'll chime in with a couple of things that she thinks should be tweaked. But for the most part, she has no interest in doing anything independently. And I think if your personality is more like hers, then it's important to find another method to enhance your own ability to succeed in the life that you want to live. Yes, that is great. I'm so glad I asked that question. And I'm more like you and I love the planning, but I attract people, my friends, all the people I did. I attract people who are like, whatever, let's just do whatever. Play it by ear. And I'm like, aha, yeah, I will schedule playing it by ear. That will happen on Tuesday, March 19th, you know, like that. That's <laughs> That's my life. I'm the same way. <laughs> so one of the things that we didn't talk about, but you mentioned a couple of times is that you have different businesses. So how do you decide what business takes priority? Because if you have several businesses, tell me a little bit about how that lifestyle works. My primary business is working with ultra affluent families and running their family office. So my family built a family office which essentially oversees all of the financial activities of our family. And then we have about a dozen other families that we work with to do the same thing for them. The families tend to have a $20 million or greater net worth. And we're now looking to build that business to help entrepreneurs that are earning a million dollars or more, but maybe haven't accomplished a $20 million net worth. Mm -hmm. And That's my primary business. So related to that, we do a lot of real estate investing. We own 3,500 units of apartments around the country, about another half a million square feet of retail and office space. And so I have a partner in my real estate business. I have a partner in my family office business. And then on the private equity side, I have a company that's registered with the SEC as a reporting entity called Fiji, F-I-G-I. 
and that business acquires revenue royalties in internet businesses. I have a partner in that business. I own a digital marketing agency. I have a partner in that business. I have a CAD drafting business that's focused on the telecom industry. I have a partner in that business. So for me, I'm focused on supporting my partners. And typically the amount of support they need is very limited because they're capable of achieving their goals without me. I just enhance their ability to achieve their goals and I bring a set of experiences and a network to them that they couldn't access on their own. So, you know, we have our scheduled phone calls or our scheduled meetings. And outside of that, they usually don't need a lot of help from me. So I try to focus where my attention is going to be rewarded in creating value. And if there's no one that I could create value for at the moment, then I'm able to enjoy that time for things that are for personal enjoyment. Wow. Yes, Noah, you are my new role model. I want to ask you one last question, but before I do, I'd like you to tell people where they can find you if they want to connect with you in any way. And if you've become their new role model, where they can follow you. Sure. So I post a lot of content on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to start a conversation. If you're interested in real estate, you could go to investwitharfamily.com. You could download a book that I wrote on how our family generates infinite returns buying apartment buildings. But if you want to just see the stuff that I'm writing, LinkedIn's a great place. And you know, from there, you could kind of navigate our ecosystem. Great. I will put that in the show notes, guys. And as we wrap up, we ask every guest another question, and that is, what is the best advice you've ever received or the advice you wish somebody would have told you? Go bigger, faster. I've often thought that there was a ladder of progress that needed to be climbed one step at a time. And what I've come to learn is that the effort and energy that's required to accomplish big things isn't a multiple greater than the effort and energy required to accomplish small things. And it's so funny that you clarify that because as soon as you said it, I was like, I've only gotten to know you over the last hour, but it just didn't sound like you. So I was like, huh, I did not expect that. So yeah, I like that. That is good advice. And especially for people like you and I who are those planners and who feel like the numbers and and very strategic, but like you said, go bigger, faster. You don't have to climb. You don't have to step on every rung because you'll still go over the rung even if you don't step on it. That's the way I heard what you said. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I know people got a ton out of everything you shared and I know I did. So I'm very grateful for your time, your expertise and just your life experience. Thank you, Noah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate sharing it. You're welcome. So guys, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. You know that we want to bring you all that we can bring you so that you can live a life of meaning, turn your money into meaning, most importantly, and stop thinking about all those things on your resume and start focusing on what's not on your resume. That is our show for this week. I will see you next week. In the meantime... Have a prosperous week, my prosperos. Hey, before you go, I'm wondering, are you a CEO who is starting to feel like 
It's time to manage your stress rather than just tolerate it. Have you gotten to a point where you rather be appreciated for who you are rather than what you've done according to society's rules? Would you like to enjoy your success with less stress? If this sounds like you and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit for working with me and my team over here at Presidential Lifestyle, then here's what I'd like you to do. I invite you to head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com and book a private conversation with me. It's not free. My time is valuable, just as valuable as yours is. And for that reason, I'm going to pour into you for about 45 to 60 minutes you pay a small fee in exchange for a lot of love so we can get to the bottom of what's stressing you out right now. I'll listen to your goals, accomplishments, and even your challenges. And I'll tell you more about me and my process too. You'll get to ask me questions and I'll give you a few tips and resources that you can start using immediately to reduce your stress. It'll be worth your time and your money. I promise you that. At the end of our call, if we believe that we can work together successfully, I'll share with you the fastest way to get to where you want to be using my program. At Presidential Lifestyle, we help CEOs all over the world navigate through stress and turn their money into meaning. To see if we can help you do that same thing, head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com or simply click the link in the show notes. All right. Go now. I'll see you there. Talk to you sooner. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, my Prosperity Pro. I want to stay connected with you. Here are four ways. Pick the one that works best for you if you want to stay connected with me. One, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money and I'll get you an answer. Remember the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. Three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last. If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle and you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. And you'll see the current updated blog for the week, but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog. We can email it to you if you like. 
That's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that link or any links. They're all in the show notes. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legalese. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important, whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it, and you'll soon see it.